Hi, thanks for joining us for our digital service. If you're new to uh, the church here, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of ways you can do that. The first way is through our uh, app. You can get that on the Google Play Store or on the iTunes App Store. And if you search in the search bar for FBC INDEPMO, that'll bring the app right up. You'll be able to install that, and once you do, when you open the app, you'll see lots of tiles. And on those tiles, one in particular will say Watch. And that'll be the quickest way in the app to get to our online videos. It'll take you to a link that takes you to our YouTube page, which is another way you can connect with us. Whenever you get to the YouTube page, please like and subscribe to the channel, and hit the bell notification icon so you get notifications every time we publish a new video. Uh, another way you can connect with us is through our Facebook page. If we have announcements or if Pastor Kevin has a written message that he wants to share with people, he'll post it there for you. And uh, also for our young people and the uh, children, we have Facebook pages as well. The Student Loft for youth and students and then uh, for children, Kids Street. And uh, we'd love to have your young people connect with us there also. Also, if you're wanting to support the church in any way, you can do that through the app as well under the tile that says Giving. Whether it be for supporting our benevolences or for our building fund or for just helping us navigate this, this online service structure that we've engaged in. And uh, if there's nothing else, then we will pray. I'll give everybody a couple moments to pray by themselves first. Obviously, there's a lot of needs and a lot of uh, issues that we're dealing with right now. And uh, please don't hesitate to give those to the Lord. Pray for uh, our families, our neighborhoods, our cities, and uh, states, and our country, and this world, actually, that's being affected right now. So I'll give just a moment, and then we'll all pray together as a church. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for, especially on this day, Lord, your, your death and resurrection, Lord. What an amazing blessing it is, Lord, that you paid the price for our sins for us, Lord, and conquered sin and death by raising from the tomb. I thank you so much for it, Lord. I pray for all the needs, Lord, in the homes of everybody watching right now, Lord, and obviously the needs of our cities and our states, Lord, in this country, Lord, in this world, as we navigate the issues that come with, with everything that is going on. Dear Lord, guide and direct the service, prepare our hearts, and magnify yourself within us. And I thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us. Good morning. Christ is risen. Let's sing and worship together. Let no in sin remain in sad the lie of inward shame but fix our eyes upon the cross and run to him who so great love and bled for 
Easter kids this is mr. Dave from kids Street and uh, kind of a strange Easter that we're all not together miss seeing your fancy dresses and neat suits on the steps for kids message so I thought I'd, I'd dress up accordingly to celebrate I know normally on Easter we have egg hunts some of us may get Easter baskets full of eggs and you wonder, you know, what's an egg for on Easter? You know, we think of eggs give chickens, you know, new life, gives them babies. We have, we have new life in Christ. So the egg is a symbol of a new beginning. Now, we usually get something neat on the inside, right? These plastic eggs usually have a treat inside. Hmm, what's this one? Looks like a candy. Hmm. Ah, no, it's not. Well, that's a rock. I wonder why I'm getting a stone in my Easter egg. Oh, that reminds me of the story when the women went to the tomb to find Jesus's uh, body and, and wrap it. They found that a big stone, bigger than a car, was rolled away from the opening. And when they went inside, they couldn't find the body. So maybe that's why I got a rock in that one. Hmm. I wonder what other eggs I have here. Oh, yeah, this is a pretty one. Let's see what's inside that one. 
Well, that's a disappointment. It's empty. I don't have anything in here. That's kind of a ripoff, huh? Normally we get some jelly beans or, you know, some chocolates. Oh yeah, that's right. The tomb was empty. Kind of like my egg. Nothing inside of it. That's to remind us that Jesus did not stay dead. He was raised from the dead. He overcame darkness and evil to give us new life. So remember the egg. Remember the stone and the empty tomb because we celebrate a risen God. I read to you from Matthew 28 verses 1 through 8. On Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where the body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. So today is a day of celebration. Celebrate with your families and, and know that you have a God that is risen and is alive in our hearts. Why don't you pray with me and then we'll listen to Pastor Kevin's sermon. Dear Lord, we thank you for the life and death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We know that we have a living God that is around us, living in our hearts. We thank you for the new life that we are promised through him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Kevin Payne here, First Baptist Church Independence. Easter Sunday. Can you believe it? We worship Easter Sunday 2020 in our homes. We haven't gathered. We won't gather for weeks because of the coronavirus situation. And so here we are. For the first time in 2,000 years, Christians are not gathering for the resurrection of Jesus. It's quite a deal when you think about it. This is a change in world history. It's never happened before, as far as I can tell from what I've read. Never before have Christians all over the world, essentially, not gathered for the resurrection. Over the last several weeks, we've talked about different days in the life of Jesus, His birth, and all those kinds of things. Last week, of course, with the crucifixion. And today is the final day of the series, talking about the most important day, the resurrection of Jesus. A day in His life, the greatest day in His life, the day in the life of Jesus that we talk about more than anything else. Join me as we study Scripture together in Matthew chapter 28. Let me begin by telling a story of a woman that I encountered years ago when I was working as a chaplain at Baptist Medical Center. 
I'd been a chaplain for about six or seven months, and in those days, a chaplain was called in when a family was getting ready to experience a death, and you would get to know these people over a period of weeks, and that was back in the old way of doing things. And I was in the room of a woman, an older African-American woman who had passed. Her family had been called in, and I expected only her daughter, and I had gotten to know her pretty well. The daughter came in. She was mid-40s, attractive, tall, a very handsome woman, dressed really well. She was a professional, well-spoken. We had talked quite a bit. She came in and acknowledged me, and then she looked at her mama. At first, she had her arms crossed, but then her demeanor changed. She leaned over and rubbed her mama's hair, rubbed her forehead, kissed her on the cheek. She said nothing, and of course, neither did I. Over the next couple of minutes, she caressed her mother's body with love and compassion and grace. She put her hands on her chest and just thumped her fingers. She rubbed her tummy. She rubbed her mama's arms. Strangely enough, she uncovered her legs from the sheets and rubbed her mama's legs with both hands like she was warming them on a cold night. She rubbed her feet. And then she took the covers of the bed and brought them up around her mama's neck and straightened out the sheets. She straightened out her mama's hair once more. She leaned down and gently kissed her on the forehead. She stood up. And then she said, Bye-bye, Mama. She picked up her purse and walked out. I never saw her again. I thought about that over the years. The thing about death is it's so irreversible, isn't it? When one of your pets dies, no matter how much you love that pet, it dies and it's gone. When you lose a loved one, no matter how much you love them, when they die, they're gone. No second chances, no givebacks, nothing. Dead is dead. Death is so irreversible. It, it's just the end. On that day years ago, Jesus had been crucified and he was dead. And everybody knew he was dead. They saw him on the cross. He had been buried. The stone had been rolled over his tomb. And in ancient cultures, as in today, dead was dead. But not this time. In the story we're going to read, dead wasn't dead. In fact, dead became alive. Follow along with me if you have your Bibles. I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 28, the first seven verses. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, just as he said, Come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. In this one instance, dead became alive. 
As we look at this story, there are several things we can learn. One of the things from the Easter story that is most dramatic is this story of Easter shows us that God's power can change everything and anything. Nothing is beyond the reach of God's power. When I think of this world, it amazes me how consuming it is. We think about things of this world all the time. Clothing, appearance, career, job, family, possessions. It's just a function of living in this world. I see this in my grandchildren. The only thing they can think about is the things of this world. And then I look around at the adults in my life and we too get caught up in the idea that the most important things in life are the things of this life. Sometimes we do this to such an extreme that we do the ridiculous. Several years ago, I came across the story of a gentleman who had purchased a hot dog when the new Bush Stadium in St. Louis first opened. He was at the very head of the line when the stadium opened. He had waited all night. He was the first one in the stadium. When he entered into the stadium, he ran past the stands, he ran past the bathrooms, and he went to the first hot dog stand he came to, and he purchased the first hot dog in that new stadium with all the fixings. He wasn't hungry, though. He took that hot dog and he wrapped it up in handkerchiefs and he pulled a baggie out of his pocket. He had brought a large baggie for this very reason. And he tucked that hot dog into the baggie, put it in his pocket and went to the game. He never ate that hot dog. When the game was over, he made sure the hot dog was still in his pocket. He went home and went downstairs and put that hot dog in his freezer. Sometime later, years, so said the story, he decided it was time to sell that hot dog. Who would buy an old hot dog? He put it on eBay, one of those online auctioning services. And by the end of the week, he had received a bid for $275 for that old hot dog. $275 for a hot dog that was years old and a frozen brick. Silly. Ridiculous. Why would anyone do that? We do things like that because we get caught up in the things of this world. And sometimes it's hard for us to remember that there is more to life than just this life. In our story, we see people caught up in the same sort of thing. There were two groups of people in the story. There were the soldiers, tough guys, tough as anybody in the world. They had been given the order, don't you let anybody bother this grave. There were rumors of resurrection. And what that meant was that people who had orchestrated the death of Jesus thought that maybe his followers would try to steal his body. So they worked with the government and the religious leadership, and they made sure that the guards were there to guard the tomb. They didn't want anybody taking Jesus' body. They were tough, and they were just doing what they were told. The other group was the women, the two Marys. They went there. What they really wanted to do was wrap Jesus and give him a proper burial. When Jesus had died after the crucifixion, he had just been taken to the tomb without a cleaning or wrapping, as was the custom of the day. And so they were uncomfortable knowing that Jesus was lying in the tomb without being correctly dressed, a way of this world. So they went there. Their only concern was, how are we going to get the tomb open? Because there was a large stone rolled in front of it. They didn't worry about anything else. They were only concerned about the things of this world. So the soldiers were worried about safety and keeping their job and making sure no one stole the body. And the women were concerned about getting the tomb open and wrapping the body and giving Jesus a proper burial. Things of this world. 
And then something so bizarre happened, they couldn't even hardly describe it. There was an earthquake, lightning, bright lights, and then a gentleman, an angel, sitting on the stone, wanting to speak to them. The soldiers didn't know what to do, and so they froze, and they fainted. Matthew says they became as dead men. They passed out out of fear and surprise. The women maintained their composure, and they talked to the man, and he said, He's not here, for he has risen, just as he said. And they were confronted with this new reality. Dead wasn't dead. Dead could be alive. The resurrection was a demonstration of God's power. That's what we see in this passage. God changing the norms of humanity. Everybody knows. Everybody dies. But not this time. The death that is always final doesn't have to be final. When God works, the dramatic, the life-changing can happen. A couple of things here. God's power is greater than death. Death is one of those things that we all experience. We have pets, and they will die. My daughter has a dog, a golden retriever, and she is a wonderful dog, and she's 14 years old now. And they know what's coming. And her daughters, my granddaughters, are almost ready to grieve because they know what's coming. That beloved pet will pass from this life. This is the way things are in this life. And we all have to acknowledge it. We all have to go through it. We all have to learn it. Things of this world die. They cease to exist. God's power is greater than that one universal experience, death. One of the other things here, God's power is greater than any problem you can have. Now think about it this way. If God can take that dead, lifeless body, cold in the tomb, Jesus, crucified on the cross, beyond a shadow of a doubt, dead. If God can take that body and breathe into him the gift of life, and return the sparkle to his eyes and the light in his mind and give him the ability to get up and take off the grave clothes and walk out and speak again. If God could do that, isn't it just possible that God can help you in your own life? Think of the things that hold you back in your life. Your sin and self-destructive habits. Isn't it possible that the God who brought Jesus back from the dead could not only give you forgiveness, but give you the ability to overcome those things in your life that destroy you? There are situations in our lives that trouble us. Sometimes we don't know what to do with certain people or certain situations. Sometimes there aren't any easy answers, no escapes. In those situations, though, isn't it possible that the God who brought Jesus back from the dead, isn't it just possible that He could give you the ability to think clearly, the guidance to act correctly, and the endurance to go through the situation with hope? Well, of course it is. Even if we stop there, God's power that raised Jesus from the dead could be given to us and give us the ability to go on in life. That's reason enough to celebrate the resurrection. But there's more. One of the other things that this Easter story shows us is that there is more to this life than this life. Like I said earlier, we get so wrapped up in the things of this life, 
Sometimes it's hard to understand and remember that there are other things. Like I said about my grandchildren, they worry about school and their appearance and, appearance and piano lessons and what's for supper and their dog and rabbit and pets and all those kinds of things and what are we going to do tomorrow and all those kinds of things. And then I look at adults around at me everywhere and they're so concerned with life on this earth and sometimes it's obvious that we're not thinking about the life that is after this life. In fact, is one of the things that I do as pastor almost every week is aim part of my sermon at trying to get people think on a spiritual level. Thinking about the things of the Spirit. Thinking about the things that are not restricted by the boundaries of this life. When we read the story of the resurrection, we are confronted with the reality that not only is God's power greater than death, when Jesus came back from the dead, He shows that there is more to life than just this life. So what is there about this life that is to come? Preachers talk about it. We sing songs in the sweet by and by and all those kinds of things, talking about heaven and the kingdom of God and eternity and all of that. What is there that we can learn about the life that is to come from this story of the resurrection? First of all, the life that is to come is physical but without the limits that restrain us now. If we go through the scriptures and look at what Jesus did after the resurrection, He walked, He talked, He ate, He drank, He conversed with people, He congregated with people. He was in so many ways normal, just like us, like He'd always been, physical. At the same time, He wasn't restrained by the physical. And the stories just give us glimpses. But we see images of where Jesus just appears into a room. And sometimes he just walks through without the door being open. And distances of time and place no longer restrain him. So the life that is to come will be physical, but without the limits that we encounter. Now, like I said, we don't know a lot about what that's going to be like. But you will have a physical body. It will be strong. It will be healthy. It will be without pain, and it will be without limits. That's one thing about the life that is to come. Another thing, it will be spiritually oriented. Like I said, one of the things I try to get my people to do is try to get them to think about the life that is to come, the life of the Spirit. I don't have to make them think about this world. That's all they can think about. I encourage them to think about more. When we go into the life that is to come, it will be completely different. Instead of having to work to think about the life of the Spirit, that will be the natural thing. We will always be thinking about the life of the Spirit. We may not think much at all about life on this earth. In fact, I have this hunch, and again, it's just a hunch, that sometime in eternity, when we look back, if we are allowed to think about this life that we had on earth, we may look at what we did and what we valued and, and wonder, what was I thinking? Because in the life that is to come, we will realize just how shallow and superficial so much of this life is. So the life that is to come will be spiritual, not just physical. And finally, in the life that is to come, we will experience it in the presence of God. I've wondered over the years how I would describe that. When I was a little kid, I was listening to the sermon for one reason or another, and the old preacher said, 
if you don't like church, you're not going to like heaven because heaven's just going to be one big long church service, singing songs and hearing sermons. And to my seven-year-old mind, I couldn't think of a worse thing to do for eternity. Well, it turns out that the preacher wasn't really trying to be literal. He was just kind of trying to be funny, trying to give us the idea of the spiritual nature of eternity. We don't really know what heaven and eternity is going to be like, but we know this. It will be experienced in the presence of God. And the satisfaction and the joy that God can give will be ours forever. I don't know how to experience that. I don't know how to explain it either. I can't make anybody experience the presence of God. I can't manufacture it. The fact that I go to church a lot doesn't mean I'm always in the presence of God in the sense that I feel it. Let me give you my sense, though, of how it is in my life. Once in a while, I'll be going along, I'll listen to a song, or I'll read a passage of Scripture, or have a thought, and just for a fleeting moment, something divine happens. And I don't know how to describe it, but I am transfixed in time, and just for a moment, I get a sense of God's presence. Sometimes it brings a tear to my eye, sometimes not. But it's always a wondrous thing. It doesn't happen very often. And like I said, I can't manufacture it. I can't jump through hoops and give you a process and say, this is the way it's going to be. You live your life right now. You pray to God. You ask Him to be with you. You live your life in service to Him. You do the right things. You love and forgive and give grace to others. And once in a while, you will sense God's presence. And the wonder of that moment will be eternity in the life that is to come. A day in the life of Jesus. Resurrection. Right now, hundreds of millions of Christians all over the world are celebrating the resurrection. We're not gathered this time, but we will in the days that are to come. But today we gather electronically. Facebook, our app, whatever, however you want to do it, whatever platform you're on. But Christians gather and we are one in the Spirit as we worship the resurrected Christ. Let me encourage you, allow the God who raised Jesus from the dead to change your life. Make that commitment to Him. Ask Him to save you. Commit your life to following Him. And when you do that, the power that raised Jesus from the dead will begin to work in your life and give you a taste of the life that is to come. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. I hope uh, you were blessed immensely by what Pastor Kevin had from Nate and from uh, Pastor Dave as well for those kids. If uh, Once again, if you have needs you want to reach out, please don't hesitate to do that. And uh, I'll pray to dismiss us. Dear Lord, thank you again for today, Lord. I pray that we would take what we got from today's service, Lord, and apply it to our lives, Lord, and make it a part of who we are, Lord, and that our relationship with you would become that much stronger, Lord. I love you, and again, thank you for the price you paid, Lord. Amen.